you ready? Okay, I'm ready. The Jesse Blake Sports Report. Really? Oh, wait, really? The Jesse Blake Sports Report. That's it? Don't forget, it's the Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. <laughs> you know, that's kind of redundant. Dude, is there a problem? No, it's fine. I, I just, you know, I thought maybe you guys would come up with something, you know, good. Man, I just read it. You know what? Doesn't matter to me. I get paid by the word. <laughs> Let's do this. The Jesse Blake Sports Report with Jesse Blake. Powered by Sports Interaction. Canada's Sportsbook. So we have Pete Blackburn, Valley Sports, Andrew Berkshire, Game Over, you know, Game Over Montreal. And I wanted to bring them on to do like a postseason recap, NHL playoffs, get the brackets, who they want to win the Stanley Cup. But then the Bruins decided, hey, we're going to try and beat up the Hurricanes and get a win that way. So, Pete, what happened last night? Why were they trying to just destroy everything about the Hurricanes? And why didn't it work? Uh... Well, I mean, I guess they were trying to destroy the Hurricanes because nothing else was working. They've looked horrible across the board through the first two games. Um, but, I mean, when you look at the like previous series, against Bruins against Hurricanes, a big reason why there's been separation, so much separation between Boston and Carolina is because Boston has been better at just punching them in the mouth and sort of getting them to, you know, throwing them off their game, making them try to play the Bruins brand of hockey, which is often nasty. And it's that's not working. One, one, I think, because Carolina has some bite this year that they haven't had in years past. And two, uh, we've seen it through the first few days of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Refs are calling a lot more. And I think that they're trying to overcompensate for, um, you know, the narrative that they throw the rule book out in the playoffs. Uh, I, I think that they're calling a lot now, possibly too much. And uh, you know, the Bruins are, are, I wouldn't say being victimized by that, but they're shooting themselves in the foot because of that. And they're taking dumb penalties and they're trying to, you know, rattle the cage of the Hurricanes and they're they're putting themselves at a disadvantage. Pasta running Ranta. Why why did he throw out his arms? What what the hell was that? It, it, was, it was clearly dirty. Like, I assume you guys agree it was a dirty play. Like, there's no reason for him to throw out his arms and hit his head, right? I don't know if it was inherently dirty, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to be like, oh, you you kidding me? Boston <laughs> bias, whatever. I, I think that it was more, uh, he was, it was a more reckless and kind of, he wasn't in control. And you, you have to be responsible for that, obviously. You deserve the penalty. I didn't buy the major being called initially just because it didn't look like he was running him. Uh, it looked like he was trying, he made a hard play, tried to block the clear. And then something happened where he lost control and, stuck out his arm and for whatever reason i don't know if he was like trying to brace himself against ranta uh -huh. or like trying to to like shove him away a little bit but he got him in the face and obviously it looked pretty bad so uh not great optically but i don't think it was an inherently dirty play i feel like you give pasternak a bit of the benefit of the doubt there if it was marshawn to be like yeah he tried to punch him in the face yes i agree with that yeah <laughs> But I, I feel like I understand why they called a major because technically, according to the NHL rulebook, if you commit an infraction and it causes an injury where the player has to leave the game, mm. you are actually supposed to give the player a, a five minute major and a game misconduct. So I right. saw that uh, I think it was 2015 
with the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Senators where PK Subban did that big chop down and he tried to get Mark Stone's stick and got him on the wrist instead. And you, I don't know if you guys remember the whole, like the micro fracture discourse where the Senator said that he had a micro fracture, which is really, it was a bruise. Right. And right. Uh, Subban got ejected from the game and there's a big deal out of it. But like, according to the rule book, that's the way it goes. It's just that mm-hmm. Stone came back to the game. <laughs> and then here game. in this instance, they they reviewed it and they reversed it and they just gave him a two minute minor, which was kind of surprising. Well, I also think that they're doing that a lot more this year, because if you call the major initially, you can automatically review it and then yes. reverse it to a minor. So it's sort of like the safe play where, you know, we'll call it a major. And then if it is a major, we look smart. And if it's not a major, we'll just reverse it. I, I'm going to hear the arguments from the Twitter sphere that. Pasta knows their backup goalies in and he's trying to run the goalie because then he knows, hey, the third string has got to come in. I'll, I'll listen to the arguments. I'm not going to accept them, but I'll listen there's... to the arguments. My counterpoint will be, well, it doesn't matter who's in net if they're not putting shots on the goaltender. They got a third string goalie in net and they weren't shooting on him. So, uh, you know, if their plan was if 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 the conspiracy theorists want to put on their tinfoil hat and say that their plan was to get the third string goalie in net. The plan is not working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, next incident that happened during the game, uh, Andre Sveshnikov running Hampus Lim home. Clear hit? like Andrew, clear hit? Clean hit, sorry? I, I only saw that replay one time. Uh, Pete, can you tell me, was the puck there? Because it was a big hit. Oh, yeah. The puck, he would had literally had the puck on his okay. stick. He just had his head down as soon as he lifted his head up. The Svechikov was right there. I, I didn't have any problem with that hit. And yeah, good clean uh, hit. obviously it's an extremely unfortunate result. And, um, you know, it, presumably a concussion. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't see it as like him g- going high or him targeting the head or anything. It was just one of those things where he had his head down. He drove through and whether it was, you know, incidental contact with the head or whiplash that gave him the concussion. It was just a really big hit, and sometimes those things happen and have unfortunate results. My new worst thing in hockey is when there's a giant clean hit, and then everybody starts the fighting discourse. the guy who threw oh, the clean hit. So annoying. Oh, really I, was, I thought you were going to say the discourse. The worst thing oh. for me is the discourse online. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know I that, mean, that The discourse too. is always bad. Whether it's a dirty hit and you have like the fans of the team who committed the dirty hit, it's like, well, you know, you got to keep your head up or it's a completely clean hit. And they're like, oh, well, it was clearly charging. Look how many strides he took. And it's like he's gliding for 50 feet. <laughs> the best. No, the best part of that is the screenshots, the screen, the grainy yes. screenshots of like the moving video. And it's like uh, it's well after contact. And you're like, look, he got his head. Look, his feet are off the ice. It's like. Oh my God! Please stop. Yeah, people <laughs> taking screenshots of gifts and then retweeting yes, that, yes. and you're like, no. And you can see in like the the, the bottom left corner, it says GIF where they yeah. clearly screenshotted a Twitter GIF <laughs> from their phone sitting on yes. their couch, and they're like, no, you guys, they made the wrong call. Oh God! Look at the pixels, guys. <laughs> so uh, we're all in agreement, clean it. And uh, yeah, the afterwards, Cassidy said uh, Lindholm's not doing well. So I don't know if we see him again in this series, especially if uh, it's going to be a quick one and the Bruins don't get a win here very soon. And then uh, last thing that the Bruins did that game, Brad Marchand. Uh, Kochekov, the third string goalie that got into the game, Marchand, after the whistle, uh, he's trying to play the puck. Uh, Kochekov doesn't get out in time, ref blows the whistle, and Marchand 
hits him, slaps him with his stick. Kochekov uh, battles back, gives him a little tap, and then another whack by Marshan. Dirty, not really, but the the battle's good to see it from the young kid. I think he's twenty three, fourth career game. It was good to see, but like um, everybody was dumping on Marshan for going at the kid. Yeah, I don't think it was like dirty or or like super malicious or anything. It, that stuff happens, but it's also a case of Marshan needing to not be a moron and not hurt his team. Um, you know, that's it, clearly I'm going to call him Coochie because one, it's easier to say, and two, it's hilarious. Um, the Canes did, too. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it's not me making it up. I'm going off of the, I'm taking their lead. Um, no, I, I, I it, he was clearly trying to goad him into doing something stupid and he was eating right out of his hand. He, you know, he took his, he like faked the slash and then the, the coochie was like, all right, well, if, if, if I'm in that in your head, I'm going to give you another little shove. He does. And then Marshan actually slashes him. And uh, Marshan's lucky that it, he didn't end up with an extra two or the only two. I was surprised that they gave them matching minors. I just think you have to be smarter than that. If you're Marshan, especially, um, you know, seeing how officials are calling the series and, you know, they're not afraid to just throw a guy in the box to, to, to either send a message, teach him a lesson or whatever. And Marshan knows that, you know, he's got a target on his back. So just got to be smarter than that. Mm-hmm. I feel like Marshawn is almost like at his best, though, when he's on that line of being dumb. Right. Because he maybe he's just not getting away with it right now that he usually does get away with that stuff. But like. I agree with Pete. It's not necessarily dirty. It's like on that line of dumb and like it looks worse than it is. It's the same, not the same thing as the Pasternak thing. I feel like the Pasternak thing also work looks a lot worse than it was. It was probably the leg injury that put Ranta out of the game more than the like bop to the head. But the Marshawn thing, like you're not going to hurt a goalie by giving them a slash in the chest area. <laughs> like yeah. if they can take 110 kilometer an hour uh, or 110 mile an hour slap shot to the chest and not wince i think they can take a little slash from brad marsh on but yeah i feel like he's gonna have a giant next game because anytime he does stupid stuff like that he shows up offensively the next night mm-hmm. yeah you're not gonna hurt the goalie but like you're gonna hurt your team because mm-hmm. then he gets a it was coincidental minors i think at the end of that but like at, he could have got two minutes and then you're putting your team down and the boston struggled so much on the power play this entire series that or on the uh, penalty kill and the Hurricanes have just been taking advantage of every power play that he's hurting his team by doing that. You know, it's well, I'd not be, worth what I'd it be worried end. about with Marshawn going after a goalie like that is another suspension, right? Because exactly. he got suspended yeah. for doing that earlier in this year. That's what I'd be worried about from like the Boston team perspective. <laughs> it was like calm down a little bit, Brad. Yeah, yeah. that's why. I, that's what I'm saying. Like he's got to know that he's got a target on his back. Like and going after a goalie is typically frowned upon whether or not it's like a harmless slash or whatever. Like it's just going after a goalie, even if they kind of goad you into it is considered a no, no across the board. Yeah. And we're seeing all the refs call all the penalties. Like you brought it up. Like they're not, they're not going easy on anybody this playoffs. And so looking forward game three, does Swayman get the start? What do you think? I would say yes. Um, and it's not necessarily because of anything Allmark has done or has not done. I just think it's going to be one of those like we desperately need a spark kind of deals. And, uh, you know, I think it, it could 
it could benefit them, you know, but uh, you know, goaltending for me at this point is pretty far down the list of things that have sucked for the Bruins so far. <laughs> so um, maybe it just kind of lights a fire under them. I feel bad for Allmark because he's been he's been overall pretty good, I would say. Um, he just hasn't had much of a chance given what's in front of him. Yeah, for me, it's for the for the Bruins. It's, it's goal scoring. Like we talked about Marchand. Marchand hit 30 goals in March. And he finished the season with 32 goals. You know, they've been they've been struggling to score. And if they don't start scoring, like the se- the season is over for them, unfortunately. And I had them going into the second round in my bracket. So like so did I'm, I. I'm looking pretty dumb on my picks because I have them in the Eastern Conference final to make you guys feel better. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Who's uh who are they facing and who do you have in the Stanley Cup final? Uh, I have them against the the Lightning in the Eastern Conference final, and I have the Lightning in the in the Stanley Cup final against the Calgary Flames, who are my champions. Oh, Okay. Calgary Andrew, is also yours? my pick. Ooh, look at that. Calgary versus who you got? I've, I've got it Toronto. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, bold pick. You're you're riding the Steve Dangle visions of. No, he, I'm going maximum pain, Jesse. Maximum Game seven, pain. Stanley Cup final, overtime. <laughs> Calgary Flames win. Oh, gosh. Um, Canada would explode if there was a, a Calgary Toronto Stanley Cup final. Yes, it would. Uh, did you guys catch a lot of the uh, Lightning Leafs game last night? Yes, I watched the whole game. Similar, I, I caught it on like a second screen type of deal because I was just seething angry at the Bruins for most of that <laughs> most of that time. Similar to how uh, the Bruins played, penalties kind of did in the Leafs there. Um, Andrew, what are your thoughts on on Wayne Simmons going out and taking two dumb penalties leading to two goals? Yeah, I would sit him for Jason Spezza. I think, <clears throat> sorry, Wayne Simmons has his uses, but I have not liked him very much in this series. I think, you know, age is a factor with him. Uh, he's played a, a long, very good career, but the the style that he plays, his body, you know, is breaking down. And whenever you see him playing like two games, three games in a row, it does seem like he slows down a little bit without a break. So I'd like to see Jason Spezza in there, give them a little bit more uh, scoring punch from the fourth line, maybe second power play unit as well. And, you know, the Leafs, everyone's talking about them matching the physicality of the Lightning. I feel like in that first game, they didn't match the physicality of the Lightning so much as they played through it and killed them offensively. And in the second game, they kind of got caught up in the more, like the more scrums and stuff like that and got away from them. It seemed like that gave the Lightning life. I feel like that's sort of what the lightning do is that they like they suck you into playing their game and get you off yours. Uh, And like, you know, obviously you want to have that edge. You want to have that toughness, but you don't want to like prioritize that or let that take away from other areas of your game. So like I agree. I think in game one, the Leafs just kind of they just caught the lightning on their heels and just blew past them. And uh, yeah, it did seem like they were kind of forced into playing Tampa's game in game two. Yeah. They're kind of the new Bruins in a way, right? Because I think the the peak era of the Bruins, Pete, and you can uh, tell me if I'm wrong. I feel like the Bruins, their strategy was they're going to make you play Bruins hockey and you're not mm-hmm. going to beat them with Bruins hockey because you don't have Zdeno Chara. You don't have yeah. Milan Lucic. And that's basically what, the lightning can say now you don't have Victor Hedman, you know, and he's not nearly as good as Lucic was in his prime, but you don't have Pat Maroon who can just like bulldoze through your goalie and two players and then hit the boards and still be the only one standing. Like those players 
are they're not necessarily uh, headman is but maroon's not a big impact player per se but you don't also have somebody to match his physicality so if you're going to play into that style you're going to lose and that's something that boston did so well when they won their one cup and went to the final and i think uh, 2014 pete uh what the one the cup uh two thousand no, no no the one where they lost to chicago oh, 2013 yeah 2013 13 yeah, Are oh, you yeah it was like challenging your, teams to play their style right in your lightnings pick pete are you confident after the first two games like do you think they're gonna get three more I, versus the leafs i mean i yeah i think it's it's possible i'm gonna stick with my pick I, I think that the leafs are a good team though like i wasn't super confident in that pick uh off the bat i think this is the best leafs team that i, I can remember um and uh, you know, ultimately, uh, the the reasoning why I went with Tampa is because I have more faith in their goaltending and their back end to hold up through a seven game series. Um, but you know, obviously, I think I think game one was was a bit of an outlier, or will be a bit of an outlier. Like I don't expect the Lightning to to look that bad again in this series. Um, but I think that Tampa or uh, Toronto is going to give them a good series. Uh, lastly, Edmonton, L.A. Is the Edmonton we saw last night where it was just six nothing, and after they're like a okay back and forth first period it was just all Edmonton in that second and they just could not stop scoring is that the real Oilers are we do we finally see McDavid take control of the Stanley Cup playoffs and the best player in the league uh take his team in a deep run or are we going to see more of what we saw in game one where uh LA can shut them down because Philip Deneau is amazing at shutting down everyone what do you guys think I think the series changes once it goes to LA and they get last change. Uh, I think they only got to know out against McDavid or dry for eight minutes in the first, first game. And I don't know what the results were in the second game, but I believe in the first game between McDavid and dry against the they got one shot, mm-hmm. which is nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is something special in the playoffs. Absolute demon. And the Oilers, like they can have games like this. I do think they are going to win the series because the LA Kings, they don't have much better goaltending than the Oilers do. So they have that going for them, even though they have Mike Smith. And, you know, Drew Doughty being out is just such a huge loss for them, even though he's not primed Drew Doughty anymore. And the Oilers are just a better team overall. But this series, I think, goes seven because that Kopitar Dino matchup at center is just a nightmare to deal with. And, when you're not on home ice, I, I think uh, the Oilers are going to be a little, little bit more trouble generating scoring at even strength. Yeah, I don't think it's going to. I don't think it's going to be like Game Two. I don't think the Oilers are going to run away with it. Mainly because n- number one, the Oilers are addicted to drama. They they love to make things <laughs> as dramatic as possible, especially in the playoffs. Um, so you know, I think that there's there's probably more coming there. Two, I certainly don't expect Mike Smith to post a shutout and uh, every game moving forward. Speaking of addicted to drama, that guy, absolute, absolute fiend for it. It's hilarious. In any way. He really can't help himself. You could like see the wheels spinning in his head as he had the puck on his stick behind the net. He was like, I have two open outlets (laughs) or or I can go straight up the middle. (laughs) Maximum (laughs) chaos all the time. I liken it to like when you're like if you're at like a party and like you see a guy get up on the roof behind the swimming pool and you're like, oh, no, he's not going to do it, is he? He's not. Please. He's going to hurt himself. He's going to hurt everybody. This is going to make the party really, really go downhill. And then he jumps off. (laughs) And he does it. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, that's Mike's. But I, I will never 
uh, trust Ken Holland because he puts his trust in a 41 year old goalie. And like, I don't know, he has another year on his deal. And I don't know how you look at this situation and be like, all right, we're going to the playoffs. This is our guy. And you don't try and make a move like three months ago when they should have made a move. At least call up Stuart Skinner. Like he was their best goalie in the regular season. And I don't know. Do they really want Bakersfield to be that good? Like, I don't even know if they're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And his arguments, and like, no, we got Koskinen, and Mike Smith played really well down the stretch, his best hockey of his career, probably, and they're going to trust him. But I don't, I don't know how you do that. Um, Pete, I know you have to run here in a second, but before you go, I have one question. Okay. Greatest Taylor Swift song of all time, and why is it style? Oh, that was my answer. That is my favorite Taylor Swift song. It's just like a perfect pop song. So no arguments there. Oh, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Okay, awesome. It's my favorite album too. 1989 is my favorite album. I cannot listen to that song without thinking about a Pete Blackburn. Oh, that's Blackburn right. Vine from back oh, in the day where right. it was Milan Lucic on the Bruins vibing out to style. What the, the best the best part about that is that when I was making that when I saw like that clip of Lucic on the bench bobbing his head, I was like, all right, I gotta I'm gonna set this to music. I have to figure out what works best. Style was the first song that I tried because like <laughs> I was obsessed with it at that time. The album had just come out. I was like, all right, I'm gonna stick it to like my favorite song right now, see if it works. It worked perfectly, and uh, <laughs> it was just like the biggest holy crap moment of my internet career <laughs> oh wow i've never seen this pete were you big on vine uh yeah i there were there were a few bangers on vine i mainly used it to to like just transfer over to twitter right right yeah. this was back when pete was just gift boy as uh Haggerty <laughs> called him nice yeah. he's moved up in the world now well thank you guys bit, oh bit. go ahead no, I said a little bit, a little bit. A little you. bit, a little bit. Thank you guys for uh, joining here today. Uh, that's Andrew Berkshire. You know him from Game Over Montreal and everything on SDPN. And that's Pete Blackburn of Bally Sports. Thank you, gentlemen. I want to hit on a couple things here before we end the show. One is over on Sports Interaction. They have these bets where you can bet on when will the series finish. We just talked about, hey, we think this will be a long series. We think this will be a quick series. I think there's some value here in these bets on when you when you think the series will finish. So we're going to look at Lightning and Leafs in particular. There's a seven game, a six game, and a five game. It's going to be at least five games now that both teams have won a game here. If, if you think the game's going to go six or seven games, so I'm going to rule out five. I think both teams will get another game here. So I'm going to take, I'm going to take five off the board. So we're looking at six or seven games. You can place a bet on if you think the series will go six or seven games and you get three to one odds. So it's 3.0 on decimal odds. So if you bet $5, you multiply it by three, that's 15, you win 15 bucks. I think there's value here in all of these series if you're looking at when you think the series will finish. It's it's a better bet than betting on like the favorite because right now, if you bet the Leafs to win, it's only like two to one odds. If you bet on Tampa, it's similar two to one odds, like two times your money. But if you just bet like, hey, I think it'll be a seven game series, that's three to one for your money. So if you're if you're into gambling, if you're into laying a little money uh, on the games you're watching to add a little fun to it, um, there's I think that's that's my tip. 
I'm going to be looking at those and the ones that I think will be short or long series, especially like the Kings and the the Oilers. I think I have a good hold on how how many games that's going to go. I'm going to be putting some money on those and looking at the the three to one odds because those look nice. And as and as always, like play responsibly. Like this is a little tip that I use to when I when I started getting into gambling because fairly new to a lot of people. So it'll be like, okay, I've got a hundred dollars to spend on my bets like it's not it's not a way to earn money like that's that's a a big thing you have to lay out there for people it's not a way to earn money it's like okay i've got a hundred dollars to spend on my bet and like how many bets do i want to make like if i could do with like a hundred uh, so if i have a hundred dollars and i want to i could do 25 dollar bets i get 20 bets i don't know there's a, there's a there's a little tip for you on how to just uh play responsibly because that's a that's a key thing here. We always want you to um, never spend more than you can, because uh, that's what it is. It's spending money. Um, you sometimes you win, sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's what you win, but sometimes you lose, and you never want to spend. Uh, you never want to lose more than you can afford to lose. So please, if you are placing bets, play responsibly. That's it for what I'm looking at over on Sports Interaction. Um, last thing. I got to do my list I have here in front of me. It is a list of the top five most difficult things to do. No, no I'm going to, I'm going to change the title. Top five most difficult in-game sporting feats is what I'm calling it. We're going to start from five and we're going to go to one. I've been working on this for weeks. I hope you all appreciate how much effort I've put into this. The classic coming in at number five, hitting a baseball in 2020 league wide batting average was 238. That number has been trending down since 2000, where it was at 270. 238. So you think of like 2.3 out of 10 times somebody hits a baseball. It's only at number five. Coming in at number four. Scoring a goal in the National Hockey League. Rem Pitlick of the Montreal Canadiens is the current shooting percentage leader when you account for minimum 20 games played and 20 shots taken. He's shooting 24.6%, and he is the best at it. So at number four, I have scoring a goal in the National Hockey League in an NHL game. Because it's harder to do than hitting a baseball by percentages. And I'm, I'm, you know me, I'm an analytics guy. So I'm going all percentages. Stopping a penalty kick comes in at number three. In the history of the World Cup, 71.5% of their penalty shootout kicks. Oh, teams have made, sorry. Teams have made 71.5% of their penalty kicks. So... Uh, when you take the sample size of like the greater soccer world and professional soccer, it's about 75% success rate on penalty kicks. It's 25% likelihood you'll save that. That comes in at number three by the percentages is very hard. Now, these top two, I think I got pretty creative with this. I dug deep into the annals of my brain and my sporting knowledge. And I came up with a top two that I think is concrete and you can't defeat. In the 2021 NFL season, there were roughly 
2,500 kickoffs. There were only two kick returns for a touchdown. That's about one in 1,250. One in 1,250. That's 0.008%. Likelihood in 2021 that somebody would return a kick for a touchdown. That is the number two most difficult thing to do in-game, in sports. Return a kick from a touchdown. Number one, I don't care if you think this is cheating. Number one, this is the most hardest thing to do in-game, in a sport, in one of the like major 10 professional sports. You kind of, you can figure out what they are. I've run them down before. Hitting a hole-in-one in golf. Number one at my list. According to the National Hole-in-One Registry, the odds of the average golfer making a hole-in-one are 12,500 to one. A tour player, because we it's not, it's not really about the average person. It's about professional athlete. In-game feat in professional sport. So the tour player likelihood of making an ace is 3,000 to one. That is the most difficult thing to do in-game in the sport. That's my list. Number five, get it, getting a hit in Major League Baseball. Number four, scoring a goal in a National Hockey League game. Number three, stopping a penalty kick. Number two, returning a kick for a touchdown. Number one, hitting a hole-in-one on the PGA Tour. Thank you for being here. This has been the Jesse Blake Sports Report. I hope you like the new intro off the top hope that was a nice surprise for you catch me on the steve dangle podcast tomorrow afternoon catch me on twitch tomorrow afternoon around 6 p.m up to puck drop of the leafs lightning i'm gonna be playing f1 i've been playing f1 the last couple weeks because we took a break from once in 67 because austin matthews retired and it was very sad so the plan with that is i think i've worked out a plan i'm gonna play f1 I've been playing their story mode on Twitch. It's been very fun. I've been having an electric time. But I have to finish Once in 67 in some way. There needs to be some sort of conclusion. So I think the plan is I'm going to run it back Austin Matthews list for one season. If I don't win the Stanley Cup that season, then we start doing crazy stuff with the franchise mode like trying to build a trying to get every draft pick in the first round trying to finish last trying to trade every single person trying to play with a minimum salary cap moving the team i think we just get goofy with different rules and different ways and different stipulations with franchise mode cuz it's all create a player at that point all the, everybody's retired from like the guys you know that are playing today you're there's no attachment to any of these guys so Except for the ones that are on our team for a long time. But eventually, even they'll go. So I think we start getting goofy with the players and what we do with the franchise mode. And then we run out the 25 years in that way. So I'm going to have fun with that in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to do F1 for probably two or three more streams. And then we'll go back to once in 67. Catch me on Fridays on Twitch. That's, that's what we're going to be doing. Um, I think that's it. Listen to the Chris Johnson show. It's also out today. Uh, I think that's it. Go Leafs go. I think I hope I just hope they get one in Tampa here and it's two two at the end of four. We'll see how it goes. Peace out.
You could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here right now listening to this or watching this. And I appreciate you. And I thank you for that. I will see you next Thursday on the Jesse Blake Sports Report. Thank you for being here.